It's Sunday, May 6th, and this is Simple Tech News. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, James Thomas, and this is Simple Tech News, the podcast where we share top tech news and stories, offer up our thoughts and opinions, and ask you to chime in on the conversation via Twitter or right here on Anchor. You can follow us on Twitter at Simple Tech News and let us know what you're thinking using the hashtag Simple Tech News. This week, we have news from NVIDIA, Facebook, LG, Google, and more. So let's get started with some Google news, shall we? Google now lets you register apps ending in .app. Google acquired the top-level domain .app in 2015 for $25 million, and top-level domains are the last part of a domain name like .com or, or .org. .app was highly desired given its association with apps, and as Google said in its press release, even if you spend your days working in the world of mobile apps, you can still benefit from a home on the web. Google claims .app is the first top-level domain to acquire HTTPS encryption, and beginning May 1st through May 7th, users can register .app domains through Google's Early Access Program, and they can pay more to secure other domains before the general public can get to them. After May 7th, .app domain availability is open to the public through sites like GoDaddy, Google Domains, etc. And you can currently check what domains are available through the site get.app, that's get.app. Sticking with Google, Google's smartwatch platform Wear OS is getting several updates. Google will soon be integrating smart suggestions with Google Assistant. It will automatically populate follow-up questions that are contextual to the conversation. Uh, so if you asked about the day's weather, for example, Google Assistant will return that information and then suggest others like tomorrow's weather, which can be tapped on. Also, the Google Assistant will speak these answers back to you over the watch's speaker or through Bluetooth headphones. Previously, these answers were only displayed on the watch's face. Lastly, Google has announced that all Wear OS watches will support third-party actions with the Assistant. Actions are the little things that Google Assistant can do, things like finding a photo in Google Photos or engaging in a meditation session with the Headspace app. Bringing actions to Wear OS watches means it will be much easier to do things like use a voice command to turn on smart appliances or check when your next train is arriving. Google says these new features will be rolling out to Wear OS by Google Watches uh, over the next several days. And with Google I.O. coming up, I am sure Wear OS will be a big part of the conference. Next up, Cambridge Analytica, the company behind the Facebook scandal we talked about a few weeks back. Yeah, yeah, they're dead. <laughs> the news was reported by the Wall Street Journal. The company soon said in a press release that the affiliated United Kingdom-based company, SCL Elections, has filed for insolvency and the bankruptcy proceedings will soon follow uh, for Cambridge Analytica as well. The data analytics company, UK-based parent, SCL Group, will also be shuttered, according to WSJ. And, well, if you were not aware, let's cover this. Uh, Cambridge Analytica gained fame by working on data analytics specifically for the Trump presidential campaign. They were engulfed in controversy after reports uh, surfaced that it obtained data on millions of Facebook users through a seemingly innocent personality test app. This triggered government hearings in both the UK and the United States and even forced Mark Zuckerberg to testify before Congress. Cambridge Analytica's CEO, Alexander Nix, resigned after further reporting showed him discussing the possibility of entrapping politicians 
for clients. Now, while Cambridge Analytica remains to claim remains uh, to claim its innocence and defend its actions, in the company's statement, it said the siege of media coverage has driven away virtually all of the company's customers and suppliers. My thoughts on this? <laughs> well, good. I'm glad that CA will no longer exist. However, it makes me think: How many other Cambridge Analyticas are there in the world, and how is my online data being used to shape and influence my decisions in the world around me? I would recommend everyone take a look at their digital presence and ask that question. The Grim Reaper is still busy because NVIDIA's controversial GeForce Partner Program is dead as well due to conjecture and mistruths. After weeks of rumors and a counterattack by AMD, NVIDIA is ending its mysterious controversial GeForce Partner Program. The NVIDIA's John Teeple wrote, the rumors and the rumors, conjectures, and mistruths go far beyond its intent. Rather than battling misinformation, we've decided to cancel the program. So what was the GPP? Well, honestly, no one really knows completely. But reporting suggested it was intended to force brands into being GeForce slash NVIDIA exclusive. NVIDIA introduced the GeForce Partner Program, or GPP, in a vague post at the beginning of March, stating that it was designed to ensure that gamers have full transparency into the GPU platform and software they're being sold, and confidently select the products that carry the NVIDIA GeForce Promise. Partners would basically get access to NVIDIA technology early and, and promotional support. This is when speculation of brands being aligned exclusively with NVIDIA began, and in an example from the site Hard OCP, signing up for the GPP would basically prevent ASUS from using its Republic of Gamers brand on AMD hardware. Tensions further rose in mid-April when just that happened, ASUS revealed a new Ares brand of AMD graphics cards and removed the ROG brand from Radeon hardware. In an email to PC World, AMD representatives said, over the coming weeks, you can expect to see more add-in board partners launch new brands carrying the AMD Radeon name and launched a public offensive that promised true transparency and open innovation from brands that work with AMD. Now, today, a direct link to that Ares lineup page still functions as expected on ASUS's company website, but it's disappeared from the US version of the store and Ares is likewise no longer listed as a navigation option in ASUS's graphic card section. So yeah, that brand is likely not coming to market. NVIDIA and its partners never responded publicly to these allegations, and since the details about the GPP were never made public, it'll be interesting to see if the spirit of the GeForce partner program lives on despite its official death. It's clear to me that NVIDIA wanted its partners to dedicate a specific gaming brand for GeForce hardware and likely make some extra money on the side. Will this still happen? Maybe. But in my opinion, it's just a sign that Team Red has become really a problem for the top dogs, NVIDIA and Intel. They are seeing the writing on the wall that AMD is coming and they're exploring all options to defend their turf. Next up, we've got Facebook and the Facebook F8 developer conference. Uh, Facebook held its conference this past week, and during the keynote, some interesting things were announced and discussed. Here are the three biggest announcements that interested me. First up is Facebook dating. Yeah, Zuckerberg announced that Facebook will soon offer a dating feature 
that allows people to browse potential matches at inside groups or events you're interested in attending. Uh, this feature will also allow people to message, message each other using their first names only and start conversations that are separate from the core Facebook or messaging app. Facebook did not say when the feature will launch, but the announcement alone disrupted the market. Just minutes after the announcement, Tinder and OkCupid's parent company, Match Group, saw its stock plummet as low as 20%. Second, we have the Messenger revamp. Facebook is giving Messenger a much needed, in my opinion, design overhaul, promising a much simpler and cleaner user experience. Now, currently, the standard messaging app is jam-packed full of in my opinion, unnecessary features, just one of being games. Uh, it's a messenger app. I want to talk, not play games. I, I don't know. Makes sense, right? But Messenger's VP, David Marcus, said that the refreshed app is coming very, very soon, and it's something that the team's been working on since the start of the year. The bottom navigation has been simplified to three central tabs that focus on communication. Icons for the camera and video chat remain present at the upper right of the app, but everything else looks much more streamlined it looks like a chat app again. I'm guessing that the number of people who switched to Messenger Lite, including myself, might have made Facebook realize that there's something that needs to change about the bloated mess that is Messenger. Uh, it's good to see, in my opinion. And third, and maybe most interesting, Oculus Go. Oculus Go is a standalone VR headset, and you know what? Let's do what I enjoy most, talk specs. It's rocking an overclocked Snapdragon 821 chip with dynamic throttling and a 72 hertz mode on its new display panel featuring 538 pixels per inch. It's a 5.5 inch display with a resolution of 2560 by 1440, and it's a fast switch LCD screen, which is for improved visual clarity. Being that it's a standalone device, the Oculus Go comes with integrated spatial audio speakers built into the sides of the headset, and there's also a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack should you want to use, you know, separate headphones. Being a standalone device, the Oculus Go comes with integrated spatial audio with speakers built into the sides of the headset, and there's also a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack if you should use want to use separate headphones. And the untethered VR gear from Oculus also features three degree of freedom tracking for the headset and the controller, but it does not support positional tracking. So basically this means that the headset's going to be uh, best for seated or static standing, uh, you know, activities, not really for room scale uses. When it comes to the battery, you're looking at a 2600 milliamp hour battery that's said to provide up to two hours of gaming or two and a half hours of video playback. And Oculus VR claims that the Go platform supports over a thousand titles, including games and entertainment apps like Discover VR, Hulu, and Netflix. And in addition to those general apps, Oculus Go will support social programs like Oculus Rooms, Oculus Venues, and besides Oculus Go, will also support Oculus TV and Oculus Gallery. Now, the Oculus Go is already available in the US from leading retailers like Amazon, Best Buy, and Newegg, and it's going for $199 for a 32 gig version, whereas the uh, 64 gig model retails at $249. Amazon also is selling the Oculus Go, in other countries and regions, so it's safe to say that the device is practically available worldwide. Now, early reports and reviews are out, and they point to some pros and cons. Uh, pros, the experience itself, it's actually really good. It's almost as good as the Oculus Rift, uh, with minimal screen door effect 
and really it's a premium device for a much more affordable price but the cons it, it still sits heavy on the face and light comes through the bottom of the visor and apparently the battery charge time isn't ideal but at the end of the day oculus go is exciting because it's another example of vr getting better while simultaneously getting cheaper soon vr will be a part of our everyday life personally i envision a world in the future similar to that of the novel ready player one it's a great book by the way if you haven't read it i recommend it wholeheartedly but vr vr is definitely coming and i personally am definitely definitely ready for it last up we have lg and lg's new g7 thinq phone is officially here let me be the first to say that is a horrible name for a phone but nonetheless the company debuted the, the device at an event in New York City on May 2nd. Now there were tons of leaks and rumors about this phone and a lot of them were true. Like the iPhone-like notch at the top of the screen, the dedicated button for Google Assistant, and some AI camera features. So you know what's next, let's talk specs. There's a Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 processor. You're looking at a 6.1 inch QHD plus uh, LCD display that's a 3120 by 1440 resolution. You have dual 16 megapixel rear facing cameras, one of which is a super wide lens, and there's a single 8 megapixel camera on the front. There's 4 gigs of RAM with 64 gigs of expandable storage, and there's a 3000 mAh battery with wireless charging. There's a rear mounted fingerprint sensor, side mounted power button, and dedicated Google Assistant button. The phone also comes in four color options blue, black, gray, and dark pink. And also they've included an, an array of audio choices here. You have a quote boombox speaker, which uses the inner space of the phone as like an echo chamber. Uh, there's also a hi-fi quad DAC that is coming from phones past and the DTSX 3D surround sound. So so yes, there's, there's a lot of options, but you got one more. There's also a headphone jack. The phone will also be shipping with the latest version of Android Oreo. And you know what, in my opinion, you add all these things up, it looks to be a great phone. It's got all the parts needed. The design, it's solid. Uh, it looks great. The focus on audio, in my opinion, is, is fantastic. Uh, the small bezels on the screen, wireless charging, these are all great. But my areas of concern, LG software is, is similar to Samsung, meaning that it's pretty heavy and it's not really a true Android experience. For me, that's a big deal breaker. Next, the battery, 3000 milliamps. I feel like they could have gone bigger and really achieved some top-notch class-leading battery life here. And third, LG's camera. It's never been known to be best in class, so that would still need to be proven. And, and those extra AI features seem, they seem like fluff. There's no real substance there. I think it's more of a gimmick. However, there are definitely things I like. The addition of the Google Assistant button is very interesting and would be exponentially better in my opinion if it was remappable. That would be a great feature to have, a physical button on the side of the phone that could be mapped to anything. Launching an app, running some command or task, starting to record a video or take a screenshot, anything. I would definitely enjoy that addition to my Pixel 2. But all in all, this looks like to be a this looks to be like a great phone that honestly no one will buy. And that's the curse of being not a, a, a top three phone brand. Uh, in my opinion, you're looking at Apple, Google, and Samsung. Those are the top dogs. Everyone else is fighting for scraps. Good try, LG. I'm sure it's a good phone, but 
I won't be buying it. Honorable mentions from weeks past, Square is buying website maker Weebly for $365 million. A YouTube music refresh is rolling out slowly to some users. Pocket Cast was acquired by NPR. Hulu passes 20 million US subscribers. And Microsoft has released its Office 2019 preview. For more info on those stories, head over to our Twitter page or just search Twitter for STN Honorable Mentions. That's hashtag STN Honorable Mentions. But that's it. That's it for this episode of Simple Tech News. Facebook, Google, LG, NVIDIA all making noise in the tech world these past few weeks. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Simple Tech News and let us know, are you planning on buying the LG G7 ThinQ? What about the Oculus Go? Or would you use a Facebook dating app? Tweet at us. Let us know using the hashtag Simple Tech News. Thank you all for listening and supporting the podcast. Make sure to favorite the podcast right here on Anchor or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And follow us on Twitter at Simple Tech News to get updates on all the tech stories throughout the week. Once again, I'm James Thomas. This is Simple Tech News. Thank you. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend. And I'll see you guys in the next one.